I have a tendency to be very jealous of successful people. And I use that energy of jealousy in order to learn from them. That's Avi Leran, Chief Delighting Officer at Delivering Delight. I would give you an interestingly unconventional answer. I usually suggest to leaders to deal with people with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Avi Leran, providing an unconventional answer on how to deal with toxic people. And he has a lot of other unconventional answers to share. Delivering Delight is what we explore in this episode of Le Podcast on Emerging Leadership. The podcast equips you to unlock the power of emerging leadership. Each episode turns insight into actions that you can use straight away to build momentum and create lasting change from yourself to your team, from your team to other teams, and from other teams to the entire organization. I'm your host, Alexis Monville, and I believe in people and teams' ability to find better ways to increase their impact and satisfaction. Let's jump right into the conversation with Avi to learn more about what it means. Hello, Avi. Can you tell us a little bit more about you? Bonjour, Alexis. Uh, hello from Singapore. A little about me. Well, I was made in 1962 in Tel Aviv. My parents had a radio and a sofa. Since I like to sing, I think I know where they made me. And <laughs> I was made, as, a, as an Israeli, I'm a little bit aggressive and creative. I was uh, an officer in the army, an economist, uh, MBA in entrepreneurship and marketing. And I was a CMO of two companies. Afterwards, I joined the government. I was a, a director, deputy director in the Foreign Trade Administration. Then I went the, to be the trade commissioner in Singapore, created two funds between Israel and Singapore, then worked with Singapore Telecom to invest in nine companies in Israel. And I made lots of money, three times lost it all in the dot-com in the 2008 and another time that was pretty embarrassing to come to your family and say, oh, we made so much and we lost it all. And in 2006, I got a book that is called Everlasting Optimism that made me laugh and change my life course to go and add value to other people because I realized that uh, I've been through so many things and I still manage to keep my spirit, make other people delighted. And I say, why not we're going to go and have a delightful workplace where people are going to wake up and they're going to be able to lead their teams to success. So we started to research it uh, because when we started the first workshop, people started to change and we were crazy about it. How is it possible? That's quite impressive. I will have a lot of questions about all that uh, coming after <laughs> that. <laughs> but first, uh, who are you today, seriously? Like every day... I feel blessed and grateful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you're delivering delight and you are blessed and grateful. But there's something that is missing for me. That's, what does it take to be really a delightful leader? Well, I think the first thing is you need to be authentic. In the last two and a half years, we've been embarking on a research about first-time leadership, and we interviewed 220 leaders in 37 countries and six continents, 
more than 50% of them are ladies. Because when we thought about leadership, we were under the impression that you need to be likable in order to get promoted, in order to be successful. And what we found is that if you ask any good leader, do you want the people that you promote to be likable? They actually said absolutely not because they may compromise on making tough decisions and they may be pleasers which will make them do the wrong decisions because they're going to go for short term. Interestingly, instead of that, they say what we expect them to be is authentic. That is the first prerequisite. People want you to be you. People don't want you to be fake. People don't want you to be Bill Gates. People don't want you to be Steve Jobs. You are the version of yourself and you are entitled to have a bad day. And researching about positive psychology and happiness, the first thing that I could tell you about being a delightful leader is for yourself and for others, sometimes happiness is the ability to be sad and being able to be supported or supportive to people that are sad. So that's the beginning of where we start. Be authentic. So that's the first ingredient. I think in my program, there are two parts. The first part is the why of becoming a delightful leader. And then I take you and I bring you to explore your values. And I'm going to ask your audience, do you know what are your values? Surprisingly, when I ask this question, 9 out of 10 people needs time to think. They can't tell me immediately, number 1, number 2, number 3, number 4, number 5. The second interesting thing that 9 out of 10 will tell me integrity or honesty or trust as the first or second value. And 9 out of 10 will stop at 3. And the reason is they have so many other values to bring and only two left. So the first thing I'll encourage you, if you want to decide to be a leader, you need to know why do you do the things that you do? And that's where your values are. Also, I must say that where your beliefs are, if you believe that people are good, you are going to behave in a different way than if you believe that everybody is bad. If you believe that everybody needs to earn your trust first, or you're a more trusting person or somewhere in the middle, this will affect your why. The second thing that I do over there is I ask you questions about your experience. Who were your best leaders? Who were your best peers? Who were your best employees? And I ask you to draw the adjectives and try to portray what kind of leader did you enjoy the most. Interestingly, chances are that that is who you want to be so other people will follow you. And we have many exercises to really try to find what is your leadership credo. Why do you do what you do? Why do you want to lead people? The delightful leader that I've met, and thousands of them, have something in common. They are not looking for what is there for themselves. They are looking as delightful leaders how to create success for others. And that is something that is common to all the delightful leaders that I've met. The second part of the program that I lead is about the how of delightful leadership. 
How do you become a delightful leader? And I can expand later on. When you ask the questions, okay, what are your values? I paused for a second and I, I, that reminded me uh, an exercise that we did with a team of chief of staff that was identifying our values and see what were the connections between the values that we had. Interesting what you say, because we all needed some time to answer that question. Which, uh, that was not one person needed some time, that was all of us. So I'm not surprised with the 9 out of 10. What do you look up to as a leader? I'm inspired by everything. I'm trying. So I have a tendency to be very jealous of successful people. I use that energy of jealousy in order to learn from them. So, for example, when I was doing a research, I found a gentleman named Chip Conley. He was a founder and CEO of Joie de Vivre Hotels. Later on, he became the chief commercial hospitality officer of Airbnb as a modern elder, and he was responsible to let them understand what hospitality means. I saw what it did, and I tried to get to connect to him because I wanted to learn from him. And I managed to pass his secretary, and they were very nice. And he finally gave me five minutes of his time, and he said, if you want to meet me, come to San Francisco. I bought a ticket. I flew to San Francisco, stayed in his hotel for one hour to meet him. <laughs> that hour became a relationship of mentorship. He came to Singapore. I arranged for him to perform for my clients who learned immensely from him. And then I managed to read all his book, learn about his program, watch him delivering, understanding. And one of the things that I would recommend, just think about who impresses you and just try to get to them and don't take no as an answer. And about no, this is something very Israeli that people may wish to know. Uh, number one, a lot of people would like to give you what you want. You just need to get to them. Number two, when you go to ask someone to help you, come as a giver, not as a taker. I managed to get gigs for cheap that made thousands of thousands of dollars for him that he saw that I'm not a taker. I'm not there to get something just from him. And have a new relationship with the world, no. When you receive a no, whether you're trying to sell something, whether you're trying to get something, no usually has something after the word no. No, which means not now. No, because I'm busy. No, because you need to upgrade yourself before you come to me. And if you listen to the things after the no and upgrade yourself, you can retry. It made me think about one thing that one of my friends told me uh, last week, I think. I was trying to ask him something. And at some point, he, he paused and he said, OK, I'm interested with, with what you are saying. But you know what? Uh, one thing that could be helpful is when you want something, ask directly. You spoke for five minutes to explain to me all the rationale behind what you wanted to, to do. And I was, I was listening. It was interesting. Uh, but I... I trust you. I don't need all that. So if you need something from me, ask, ask directly. It's okay. If I need to know more about it, I will ask you. Don't worry. I said, oh, okay. It's interesting. Why I do that? You mentioned a very human phenomena. When people feel that you want to ask something, they don't want you to go around the bush because they don't like to be manipulated. 
and they could see through you. Now, when you, interestingly, one of the features, we have more than 30 features of how you become a delightful leader. And what I do is I make an analogy to the mobile phone operating system, and I call it delight operating system. And I ask people to imagine that they could switch on and off uh, options on their phone, like flight mode or flight mode off. And I say flight mode or delight mode. And one of the settings of becoming a delightful leader is the power to ask. And I suggest to people, ask for what you need. Let me do an experiment with you. Alexis, would you help me now? I would like to ask you to give me a raving round of applause right now. Would you do that for me? Of course, with, with great pleasure. I would like to try that. I, I will do my best to do it. Of course, it's just me. Fantastic. And if you're listening to me at home, please do that as well. Okay. <laughs> now, why, why did you do that? Because you asked. Exactly. Now, if it was so easy to ask and receive, why do people don't ask what they need? I don't know. Because they are, they are afraid to be rejected? They are afraid of uh, receiving a no? Why do most people don't ask for what they need if it's so easy? When I ask this question, most of the people say, someone in the audience will say, because we are afraid. And then I ask, why are you afraid? And then the answer is afraid of rejection. And I would say, that's okay. You're going to be rejected many times in your life. And that's, again, the relationship that you have with no. And a very interesting story, after we, when I work with Marina Basins, we work with them for seven months. When we started to work with them, they got a very bad review, 140 place in TripAdvisor. And within seven months, they went to 36th position. And at the end of the first workshop, a gentleman called Ivo, who was one of the top managers, arranged for us a banquet. It was a fantastic party with champagne and everything. It was really fantastic. And then he wanted to buy the book of Everlasting Optimism. And we ask him, why would you like to spend your own money? Why don't you ask your boss to buy for everyone so you don't have to, to buy it? He immediately went to the boss, he asked, and he got it. And he was so enthusiastic because he immediately applied the power to ask. And next to him was Sonia and Michael. And there was a refrigerator of Coca-Cola. And Sonia looks at Michael and says, Wow, you know how many times I ask to get the, this Coca-Cola fridge for my team? And Michael say, but you didn't ask me. And she said, Michael, may I ask you to have this fridge? And he said, yes, this fridge is going for your team. Sometimes people are so happy to give it to us as much as we are happy to give to us. And if you are a parent, many times people are just waiting for the kids to ask, ask them for advice, ask them for, some, for, for something. A lot of people are waiting to give you what you want. At the same time, the engine of delight will be very helpful for you 
because when you deposit so much things inside, people will love to give you whatever you wish for. Maybe it doesn't feel as real. It doesn't feel really possible for everybody. Uh, because sometimes you already deal with people that are really toxic. That could be a toxic colleague or toxic boss or a toxic customer. And it doesn't fit that picture that you draw just before. How do you deal with that? I'll give you a theory and a story. In one of the chapters in my book, I talk about your universe. And I ask you to draw your solar system and put on your solar system, you are the son of your own solar system. So Alexis is the son of Alexis solar system. Avi is the son of Avi solar system. And I'm planet on your solar system and you're a planet on mine. And I ask people to decide what are the orbits and name the orbit. It's like family and close friends and less close friends and colleagues and so on. And we have rules for each one of these orbits. And I ask you to write down what are the rules? What are the expectations that you have from each one of the orbits? And then I ask you to put the people that are most important to, to you and place them on the orbits. Now, if there is a mismatch between the expectation that you have with the orbit that the person is, sometimes what you need to do is to take that person and put them on a more remote place. And on that remote place, you have less expectations, you're going to give less, and you're going to be much happier. So you need to first align your solar system. Now, what you're talking about, about toxic people in our life, they, I make an analogy for them that they are black holes. And when you see someone is a black hole, you have to be careful. Either you place it at a very remote orbit, or alternatively, first you can talk to them. To your question about toxic bosses, I hear this a lot. And I would give you an interestingly unconventional answer. I usually suggest to leaders to deal with people with empathy, compassion, and kindness. However, not always it works. Now, the first assumption that I have is that every person that I meet has pain, had experience problems in their life, have been humiliated in the past, maybe have been abused, maybe they have at home a kid that is suffering from severe autism, or maybe there is someone that just passed away, maybe they have a terrible health condition that they're not able to tell to someone. And once you make the assumption that whoever sits in front of you has a pain in their life. I've yet to see a person that does not have any pain in their life. Separation, death, loss of money, loss of friends. I didn't see yet the perfect person that doesn't have pain in their life. And if you could have the first three of empathy, compassion, and kindness, and you can manage with that to not get into 
a problem or a heated discussion, you're a winner. But sometimes the toxic people would be beyond repair and you will not be able to affect their life with your kindness. At that time, I take the secret weapon that I call it pity. The minute that I have a pity for a person, that person is not anymore in my level. It's like looking at a drunk person. If a drunk person were going to tell me, I don't pay attention to that because I know that that person is drunk. I classify that person that is drunk. Instead of taking the toxicity from that person, I just bend and let it go above my head. That's basically helping me not to take it personally. And here is something that I put in my head as a mantra. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about her. It's her pain, not mine. And she or he is trying to inflict their pain on me. Sorry, it's not my pain. I will want to stay myself. I have a brand. I am Avi. I am kind. I don't want to go and become toxic to the toxic. Having said that, having said that, I am enjoying making something that is called boundaries. And again, a lot of people think that making boundaries is to protect myself. I say no. Putting boundaries is to help the everybody because boundaries be, beyond the boundaries there is a minefield when you cross the boundaries of someone you you're definitely gonna go and explode by me putting a sign this is my boundary if you're gonna cross that boundary everybody gonna explode you're gonna explode and i'm gonna explode this is kindness because when you don't tell people where the boundaries are Two stories, one about Major Biran. He told me, I'm, I'm never going to be an officer. I'm going to be an officer over his dead body. And I was frustrated. I really wanted to become an officer in the army. And then one of the reservist guys, his name was Effie, he came to me and he said, Avi, can you put your hand on your shoulder? And I did. And he said, imagine that the pigeon have pooped on you. And then it showed me how he scratches it and push it away from the shoulder and take it out. And he said, that's what you need to do when you get something, when you, a shit is being dropped on you. What you don't do, Avi, and this is what you did, you took the shit in your hands and put it on your face, and then you try to, to talk to everyone, I am shit. I said, that is not helpful. Just take it away. It's not for you. Anybody that would have walked there would get the shit. It's not for you. It's not about you. It's about the bird. The bird has shit. That's it. And that was extremely helpful when someone tried to assault me. I'm a human being. Sometimes I'm going to get upset and that's okay because I'm human. But most of the time, I will either use empathy, compassion, and kindness. If we have time, we're going to talk about the differences. And if that doesn't work, I'll use pity. Seriously, when you pity someone, you can't get angry at them. They're like a cripple. They're like a child. You don't go and judge them. And you keep your brand and you keep who you are up. The second story is 
after being CMO where everybody listened to me, I have a team that I say, A, it's A, B, it's B. I got paid very well. I joined the government. I got 20% of the pay. I got employees that are totally disengaged. And I got a toxic boss. By the way, I say that engagement or disengagement is a choice. And a lot of people say, no, how can you be engaged when your boss is toxic, when the environment is like this? And I said, you chose to be here today? If you don't like it, why don't you find another place? Make yourself the best talent that you can, hunt for another job. But today you are here, make it a great day. Be the best version of yourself. Get to learn something new. It doesn't make any sense to be disengaged because you are hurting your brand. So what I managed to do is I managed to interest my team that was absolutely disengaged to understand what they do, why they do, and the impact that they do. For example, we had the first minister from India came to to Israel, and I told them about all the things and about the excitement. And I taught them everything that I learned about India. And they were so excited with me because we were creating history together. And suddenly I had a team that were much better. And with my toxic boss, I ended up to be his boss. So if you are handling people, believe in yourself and be your own brand. And you're going to be able to overcome as long as you are there. One last story. On the first day of officer course, they throw us in the desert, minus three degrees, the winter of 1983. We didn't have good clothes. We didn't have food. We didn't sleep. They were really making us tired and exhausted. And they were bullying us as a part of the first week. Now, 78 out of 80 were miserable. Two out of the 80 were extremely happy. Why? Because the same time will go if you suffer or if you enjoy. It's the same no food. It's the same no sleep. It's the same harassment. But if you keep your smile and you help each other, you create camaraderie. And the best time to get relationship is a time of tough time. You see who you are really at tough times, not when everything is great. And these, some of my best friends, are from exactly that time when we had hardship. I first saw you in a, in a conference you gave at the Wildcard Conference. The, I had the pleasure to be invited by the, some of the organizers, Simon Jaillet and Jérôme Bourgeon. I'm really grateful. I need, I need to thank them. I hope I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was really an interesting conference. I joined that conference and I've, I, I've seen the mobile phone al- analogy. And I was thinking, yeah, in reality, this is exactly that. This is exactly what I'm trying to say. And I'm trying to say that to myself and I'm trying to say that to others. That at some point, you're, you're making the choice. Uh, you cannot change the circumstances but you can change how you deal with that. Actually, we are living great life. I, I totally agree with you, and thank you very much for the compliment. I try every day to learn new things and to hone what I do and see more research, so when I speak to you and speak to others, I can give them more example, more rigor, more research, more studies. So when I tell you this is what I suggest that you consider, 
is based on measurement, is based on something that they see that really works. And what I notice is the people that make these choices have three things that they always have. Number one, they make everybody around them more successful. Number two, they are true investors in other human beings. And as investment means, there is the return on investment. They get 10 times fold more than what they give because they sold seeds. Like farmers, from seed to tree, there's a lot of investment, but the tree gives you so much yield. And the best time to invest in people is when they need you, that they remember forever. And the third thing that happens when you make everybody more successful when you invest in people, you're also so much happier. People love to follow you. People trust you. Beautiful. In a way, this is putting pressure on, on yourself to do things, but it's something that you can do. That's not something unreachable. That's not, uh, I want to be like someone else. Uh, you mentioned that before. That's more, yeah, I can do something to help people that need needs it around me. And I always can do something. That's not, that's not something uh, impossible to do. What I found in my life is that being likable, being loved, being trusted, being happy, when we set them as a goal, we're going to fail and we're going to be miserable. But if we're going to do the right things, if we're going to be loving, people will love us. If we're going to be contributors, people will trust us. If we're going to do it consistently and unconditionally, that will happen. We're going to be likable if people will see that we are congruent and authentic, we deliver, and we care for them. So these are all results. They are not goals. That's a consequence of what we are doing. Yeah. If you just focus on... Why do, you, why do you lead? If you lead and you just want everything for yourself, you're going to struggle because all the time you need to feed yourself and to feed and to feed your ego. I have a, a theory about the ego that is very, very thirsty. And when the ego wants to take is when you screw it up. But when the ego gives, you get everything. I want to change the definition of self-interest. If you want to be successful, it is your self-interest to delight other people, not the other way around. If you're going to try to delight yourself, you know, I love Tony Scheer, uh, rest in peace, the one that created the culture of Zappos. He became a multimillionaire and he made a very happy company. And he was obsessed with happiness to the extent that he was not happy himself. And that's where I cautioned all the delightful leaders. Happiness is not pursuit. Don't run after it. Create it for yourself and others. And invest in yourself. And make sure that uh, when you talk about the how of delightful leadership, the first thing that I do with the leaders is talk to them, make them go through How are they going to understand their own well-being and their own resilience? The second is how, how they communicate effectively with clarity and joy and care. And the third one, how to lead with positivity. 
And with all of the things that we're going through, there's a lot of fun things that we do. There's a lot of rigor of studies that shows you that exactly when you do that kind of a thing, you really get things out of them. The Wildcard Conf was a conference organized for, for, for charity. I've heard that you are doing also other things uh, for charity purpose. I do it for me. I don't believe that there's anybody on earth, including of Bill Gates, that do this for others. Because when we do it for others, we are immediately nourished. Now we are physically and emotionally wired for contribution. We are wired for giving. The minute that you are kind to someone else, you give a dosage of significance to someone else, what happens in your brain is the hippocampus releases oxytocin, which is the love hormone. It makes you feel loved. It's the same hormone that the lady uh, exudes when she delivers the baby. That immediately kickstarts the reward Secret, uh, circuitry in your brain that releases dopamine that makes you happier and you get a cocktail that comes with serotonin that makes you feel a sense of belonging. And what happened? Three people enjoy the giver, the receiver, and even the witness. What happened when I give to somebody else? I become happier with myself. I have higher self-esteem about myself. I say, Avi actually is a nice guy. And I see myself in a better light. My confidence goes up. My happiness goes up. So I don't give a bullshit to other people that I do things for others. I actually do it for myself. I enjoy it. I when you're going to smile, when you're going to get value, when you're going to get value from this uh, podcast, I'm going to be extremely happy because I felt, you know, I got a new friend. This is fabulous. I was also grateful that uh, you invited me to one of your Mojo session, uh, the one with uh, Emily Chung, and she shared <laughs> about a spare room idea. So the idea that you you always have a spare room, and so if someone needs uh, needs it, uh, you can you can welcome them to your place. And that was that was her her thing to offer. That not everybody will want to have someone at their place, but. She is able to do that. She can be a host and she has a spare room and she can welcome people and help them when they need to. And that was her offer to the world. And I, I, I really like the way she framed that. And so thank you. <laughs> thank you, Avi, for organizing that. That was really good. The one that is coming up this month with uh, Dahlia, really absolutely gorgeous story of transformation. Uh, lead like a girl. It's a great thing for the months of the World Women Day. Sometimes people will ask me that question and I cannot fake that I'm really having a bad day. How can I still be a delightful leader, delight the people around me when I'm really having a bad day? How can I handle that? I got this question first time seven years ago from a lady called Rawa in an HR conference. She was the HR director of the University of Dubai. And I asked her, Rawa, tell me when you are on a bad day, and I said, when people ask you, how are you, what are you saying? And I open it to the audience and the, the audience say, good, okay. Some of them even say, great, fantastic. And I told them the difference between what you feel and what you say is the energy that's going to be evaporated from you. At the end of the day, if you need to pretend that everything is great, you're going to be exhausted at the end of the night. 
I ask them, okay, if I'm going to give you two words plus one, that every time you're going to say them, you're going to feel better, the people around you are going to feel better, and you're going to be authentic, and you're going to be able to tell everybody exactly how you feel while uplifting them. So if I'm going to tell you that, would you be happy, Alexis? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of okay. course I would be happy. Okay, so what I would like to ask you and the audience that is listening, I would ask you to put your hands next to your eyes as if they were blinders for horse. You know, you, you put them for the horse to see only the, only the way straight. And mm-hmm. you can imagine as you put your hands there that when you wake up in the morning, the only thing that you see is what is not there. You see your errands, the problems that you have, the things you need to solve, your schedule, your to-do list, the people that harassed you, the people that are trying to get you, and so on. That is primarily majority of what happens now in your life, what you need to do. But is that really the life that you have? Now, what I'm asking the audience at this point of time, I say every time you're going to say yes, I want you to say it loud, so I will need your participation, Alexis, for that. But at the same time, when you say it, I'd like you also to move your hands one inch to the side and one inch up every time you're going to say yes. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Okay. Did you sleep on a bed? Yes. Okay. So you put your hands one inch to the side, one inch up. And you know that many people did not have a bed. Millions of people sleep on the floor. Do you have a place to live in? Yes. Okay. Another inch to the side and up. Over a billion people don't have a place to stay. Do you have running water? Yes. Yes. You know that over a billion people need to walk more than a kilometer to get water. Are you living in a free country? Yes. Yes. There are many people that live under oppression. Do you have a job? Yes. Yes. Do you have people that you love and they love you? Yes. Yes. And the list grow on and on. And by this time, if you said yes to everything that I ask, you may have your hands like a Y from the YMCA song and they are open towards the sky. And if you have all this, this is the reality that you live in, not what you don't have. This is the reality that you're having at this moment. If you have all this, are you blessed? Oh, yes. And if you're blessed, can you be grateful? Absolutely. I should be grateful. So what I ask you to do is you take your hands and put them in namaste position and say, I'm grateful. Yes, I'm grateful. So, Alexis, please ask me, Avi, how do you feel on a bad day? Avi, how do you feel on a bad day? Blessed and grateful and sad. Blessed and grateful and angry. Blessed and grateful and frustrated. But I understand that 90% of my being is blessed and grateful. And the 10% is a temporary negative feeling that I experience and I have no issue expressing that because what it means as a leader is that I'm authentic. People understand that this is a tough time for me. I still understand the context of my life that 90% is working. And today I heard a story of a a brave father that have to take care of a kid 
that is dysfunctional at age of 12. And it's amazing how much that leader helps the wife and the kid and still manages so much. And he is smiling and he feels blessed, grateful, and extremely concerned for my son. And that's okay. And by having this blessed and grateful mentality, you're going to be authentic. You're going to be empowering other people to show the true feelings. You're going to create this psychological safety for people to tell you, I don't feel good, but I understand that I'm blessed and grateful. And then you can say, you know what, Janet, why don't you rest for an hour? I'm going to take off your, uh, off your duties for the next one hour. And actually, you know, it happened to me today because my Kim, who is the, my PA, she is on medical leave. And what I ask her to do is, please don't work. You need to rest. And delightful leadership is exactly about that. Be authentic and put your money where your mouth is. It's so easy to tell Kim now, you know, we have so many things to do, but I mm-hmm. take over. That's a delightful leadership. That's investment. That's understanding that other people have their days and so are you. And maybe a story within a story. I was one of the youngest basketball uh, coaches in my country. Actually, when, when I was 18, I could dunk even though I'm just 186 centimeters. But the, on the last leg of coaches' school, we were trained by the deputy head coach of the number one team in Israel, which was also the champion of Europe, is Maccabi Tel Aviv. And what he did, he made us all play on the first day of the camp from 8 o'clock in the morning until 12 at night. We were scrimmishing. It was crazy. We were so exhausted. And the next morning, all of us, all of us had a a smell of Bengay. You know, the, the cream that you put when you have crumbs all over? And he told us on that morning, We did it to you on purpose. We want you to feel how it is when you're going to be a coach, you're going to be tempted to put your star to play from the minute that the game starts until the end. So you're going to get the most points and you don't understand that you're going to kill that person and you're going to make them injured. And we wanted you to feel so you're never going to remember in your life. You are outside. They're in the trenches. You are asking them to do things. You need to understand their limitations and you need to take care of them. They are your responsibility. Either if you're not going to do that, they're going to end up exactly like you now. And that was a lesson of leadership that I know you as a leader, as a delightful leader, taking care of your team is your number one responsibility. Delightful leadership is a responsibility, not a privilege. Thank you very much, Avi. That was a perfect way to end that discussion. Thank you for joining the show today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Go to alexis.monville.com for the references mentioned in the episode and to find more help to increase your impact and satisfaction at work. Drop a comment or an email with your feedback or just to say hello and until next time to find better ways of changing your team.